0: Welcome to the My Buddy Green podcast. I'm Jason Wachib, founder and co CEO of My Buddy Green, and your host. Dr. David Kessler served as commissioner of the U.S. Food and Drug Administration under Presidents George H.W. Bush and Bill Clinton. He is the author of the New York Times bestseller, The End of Overeating, and his latest must read is titled Fast Carbs, Slow Carbs. He's a pediatrician and has been the dean of the medical schools at Yale and the University of California, San Francisco. He's a graduate of Amherst College, the University of Chicago Law School, and the Harvard Medical School. David, welcome. It's so great to have you here.
1: Thanks. It's a pleasure.
0: So I love the book. I love the title of the book, Fast Carbs, Slow Carbs, because carbs are not the enemy, and but, but what, you, what you state so clearly in the book, which I love, is not all carbs are created equal, and you distinctively break, the, break them up into fast carbs and slow carbs. So can you walk us through fast versus slow and give us some examples so we can wrap our head around this concept?
1: Sure. Um,
0: so fast uh, relates
1: um, to where and how it gets digested. Uh, how fast, but also where in the digestive system uh, it gets absorbed Um, and the consequences. Um, But fast carbs are, I mean, if you look at the food, um, they are sugars, uh, but they're also starches. So they are uh, any carbohydrates that are rapidly absorbable uh, in the digestive uh, tract, Um, And meaning that anything that gets converted quickly um, into from, you know, the natural uh, state uh, of starch, I mean, or sugars, the long chains um, of uh, carbohydrates, Uh, you know, when we were in elementary school and uh, seventh, ninth grade biology, amylose, amylopectin uh, uh, within that weak uh, kernel. Um, there are uh, tightly packed uh, starch granules that contain these uh, polymeric uh, chains uh, and they're carbohydrates and they're densely packed. Um, but uh, if you look at how, when you, you know, in most uh, processed foods, uh, most industrial foods, uh, you see um, that those uh, wheat uh, uh, kernels, those, those granules Um, have really been just pummeled uh, tremendous thermomechanical forces um, to that starch and sugar that ends up being rapidly absorbed. And that has consequences. Slow carbs um, are uh, those carbohydrates basically that have the structure intact um, throughout the GI tract. uh, uh, And they include primarily Uh, vegetables, uh, legumes, um, but also um, certain uh, resistant starches or slowly digestible uh, starches. Um, So they don't get as quickly absorbed, and they make their way uh, down to the lower part of our GI tract, and again, that has consequences. So basically, the answer to your question, fast carbs, sugars, starches. Uh, slow carbs, vegetables, legumes, resistant starches, slowly
0: digestible starches. So you mentioned consequences. Walk us through some of those consequences of each.
1: The the consequences are enormous. Um, And I really started with the consequences and was very interested in what was driving uh, those outcomes. So with the central, uh, core of, uh, the problem, uh, is excess weight, um, and excess calories, excess, uh, body fat. I mean, I'd love to say there was nothing that would give, make me happier to say that you can uh, be healthy at any body weight. Um, but regrettably, uh, that's, uh, not the case you know certainly when you're young it maybe have a little less consequences but that excess body weight as one ages um, does have effects and just you know think of it as the center of a wheel and a lot of spokes coming from that excess body weight so it's diabetes it's cardiovascular uh disease it's certain forms uh of uh cancer i mean i can go on and on but there's almost no area of medicine um, that uh, excess weight doesn't have uh, some adverse uh, consequences regrettably
0: and it's also COVID now
1: yeah and it's taken on life and death overtones uh, and it's very real i mean and it's complicated yes right because it's not just is it weight um there's no doubt second second to age, right? I mean, age is the first uh, highest risk factor um, for mortality associated with COVID, but obesity uh, is the second most significant uh, risk factor. But that may be tied, and I can't quite sort it out, um, certainly hypertension, which is related. Is it the hypertension? Is it the obesity, is it the diabetes, is it the um, hypertension um, and the, the ACE receptors that are associated where the virus gets attached and those are also cardiovascular uh, related or is it the immune system? Certainly, uh, that whole collection of uh, hypertension, uh, obesity, diabetes, it's a major uh, risk uh, factor. Uh, and it great it, it creates a acute urgency. I mean, we all knew um, that uh, these uh, that that obesity, I mean, had consequences, but never um, did it just present itself um, so acutely uh, and so dangerously.
0: And so with regards to healthy weight, an excess body fat being dangerous, is, there, is it a certain percentage of body fat in your opinion? Does it still vary from people to people? Like what? what's that line between healthy weight and unhealthy weight? And
1: So I'm not, I, I don't think it's um, just the weight. I don't think it's a number, it's the consequences of that weight. So it's the, you know, when I went to med school, fat, and body fat was thought to be relatively inert. It didn't have any biological consequences. Today we know that that body fat uh, has gives off uh, inflammatory, uh, has flam- inflammatory uh, effects, releases uh, hormones, uh, releases other chemicals um, that really interfere uh, in a great way uh with a lot of our f- basic physiological processes so that it's that it's that ac- biological activity of that body fat uh, that metabolic activity of that uh body fat I mean, some of my colleagues I mean who study obesity uh call it almost sick fat right um and um so you know it, if it has consequences, right? It's not obesity for obesity's sake. It's Hmm. obesity and blood pressure. It's obesity and diabetes. It's obesity um, uh, and lipids, an effect on uh, blood lipids, because if it's an effect on blood pressure, that affects stroke, cardiovascular disease. If it's obesity, uh, on insulin that affects, uh, diabetes. Um, if it's, uh, so, so it's the metabolic consequences of that body fat, um, that is, is key. So those are the real measures. I mean, that's where the harm comes from.
0: So it's not just BMI in, in, in here's a hard number. And if you cro- you know, you cross the 20%, you know, body fat, then it becomes unhealthy. It's, it's the idea of, of BMI and all the, that, which can lead to all these other things and the combination of those other things, diabetes, heart disease, metabolic health, like that, that's when you get on this really dangerous path.
1: That, that, that's exactly correct. Um, and even if you, you don't see those consequences you know, in your 20s or 30s and, you know, you are carrying excess body weight, I mean, or even in your teenage years, I mean, I could assure you um, uh, much more likely than not um, that one of those uh, other systems will be affected. Uh, Blood pressure, uh, endocrine, uh, lipids, cardiovascular.
0: and so you mentioned metabolic health, and you've got this great data point from the book, and I'm actually seeing this data point more and more with what's going on in the world right now with COVID. Uh, and the data point is only 12.2% of Americans are metabolically healthy. And so why is that such a problem? And how, how do you define metabolic health?
1: Right. Okay. So, so I found that striking. Uh, I ended up, I was uh, uh, at a medical, medical meeting um, and there was a scientist who took um, the standard acceptable medical guidelines. You know, every medical profession uh, sets out through consensus um, uh, processes, uh, certain guidelines. Um, on when to treat, when not to treat. So there are guidelines on blood pressure, uh, on blood glucose, um, on blood lipids. Um, And no one ever quite put all those together because the the folks that focus on hypertension were focusing on blood pressure. Those who focus on lipidologists were focusing on the, the lipid guidelines. The diabetologists focus on blood glucose, but when you put all those guidelines together, uh, um, and you see that just meeting those uh, guidelines and, and considered uh, within the healthy parameters, I mean, only a small percentage of Americans uh, fall within those guidelines.
0: Well, the thing, too, about metabolic health is you could be walking around and looking trim and fit, but the reality is you may not be metabolically healthy. And I think that the 12 percent number speaks to that. Uh, you know, people who are trim and fit who have high blood pressure, they're walking around. There's, a, there's right. a lot of them. And so can you talk about so blood pressure, you know, as as so, I think what, what's going to be important, what I'd love for people to do is get an understanding of metabolic health is and get get an understanding of it. And when they feel safe to go in the labs, like what are the labs they should ask for? Is it, is it you know? Well, blood pressure is on a lab. You go to your doctor for that. And you can do it at home. But is it LDL? Is it LPA? Is it lipid pro? Can you provide a little? What what are sure. some of the things that we should be asking our our healthcare providers for?
1: Right. I mean, which is a great uh, question because we now have, um, and I think this this may sound like a bold statement. Um, but once we get through this acute epidemic and get to the other side, uh, of it, and hopefully that's not an extended period of time, uh, and we could get back to focusing on some of the more chronic conditions that we're dealing with that, that pose real challenges to, uh, people's health. Um, we really can reduce, markedly reduce, if we do focus on those, some of those numbers, um, we can, you know, eliminate, you know, 70, 80% of atherosclerotic heart disease. I, I know that, you know, there are a lot of things that, um, you know, out there where people hype certain things. I don't think that's hype. Um, and I, I am, you know, I I, uh, I come from the medical establishment, right? I come from the world of uh, randomized, double-blind, control clinical uh, trials, and I'm as rigorous uh, as um, uh, they come. You know, and, and this has been, um, I mean, somewhat controversial in, in the diet and nutrition uh, field. Um, uh, but you know, and I think the Europeans are somewhat ahead of the Americans and the cardiologists. But I think there's an increasing consensus that. For you know, depending on the condition you want to talk about, if we want to talk about atherosclerotic heart disease, what causes heart attacks? Sure, right? Um, it, it used to be um, in my parents' or grandparents' generation. It used to be tobacco. It used to be cigarettes. Some a 45-year-old who who walks into the emergency room with a heart attack uh, 30 years ago, they were a smoker, right? We, we, uh, you know, we, we've had that public health triumph. We can talk about vaping, but certainly, uh, when it comes to traditional cigarettes, a major public health success. So question, how do we, how do we wipe out, um, uh, the vast majority, the 70, 80% of atherosclerotic, cardiovascular disease? And the answer is we, if you look at the data and there's some nuances here, um, but the amount of LDL particles um, is causal, or at least on the causal chain, you know, scientists can uh, can argue. Uh, And we now have the the evidence, because through these very large randomized control trials, and you know, I will, you have to understand, these come from drug studies, and I'm not pushing drugs, but you can extrapolate based on those drug studies. The lower you get your LDL, um, the number of particles, um, and the, um, the lower your risk, and the, you keep on going. Now, I'm, I, I have some concerns, are there any side effects at very low numbers? But we dramatically reduce LDL, the number of particles uh, on a population basis, we can wipe out cardiovascular disease, atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease. Now, what's the lab measure, right? Um, the, well, I can get it, you know, if you're talking to cardiologists, I can talk about ApoB, sure. I can talk about LDL uh, particles, but for the vast majority of people, uh, you know, we're just talking about LDL-C,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Um, and um, certainly if you can get that number, if you ask cardiologists, what are they keeping their numbers at? I mean, yeah. Again, I don't want to play doctor here. I mean, or, I mean, I, I I would urge people to to ask um, their physician what their LDL number is, not just their total cholesterol. I think that got us off, got confused um, some of this debate, but but focus on LDL and ask what that number is. Um, and if you can get that down significantly, um, uh, certainly to below 100, and even better. Uh, you know, around 70. um, That's, uh, you know, we can change heart disease uh, and the number of heart attacks uh, if we do that. And again, I understand that's controversial and there's always some footnotes on that. On blood pressure, um, uh, you get your blood pressure um, down even a small uh, number of millimeters of mercury. um, There is no doubt um, that, uh, that is the greatest contributor to stroke. Um, and things you, you want to do, you, we can blood pressure down, get blood lipids down and obviously to get blood glucose down. I mean, and that has, um, to, relates, uh, to diabetes. Um, um, so, you know, it's LDL, uh, fasting blood, uh, glucose, uh, blood pressure, um, I mean those are the those are the if we work on those as a country we can change healthcare as we know it.
0: So in your opinion what's the causality there? Is it the fast carb? Is it excess processed meat? Is it meat in general? What's the driver for poor metabolic health? Mm-hmm. So that was the journey
1: and that was what I uh, wanted to answer when I did the book, right um, and started uh, looking uh, at that. Um, I mean, at the core of that is weight, right? And then the core what's at the core of weight? right? And I understand the nutrition community for, you know now 30, 40, 50 decades were um, eat less, exercise more, go have a good time that's what they recommended right And it kept on saying it and it didn't work. And just look around. right? I mean so that advice is not uh, I mean it's not been uh, effective. Um, and you know I, I, I think the, 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 the question is there ideal dietary advice for everybody of all physiology. I think that's the mistake. I don't think that's the case, right? I mean, I think that if you look at the vast majority of dietary guidance that's given out, that's for some ideal physiology that probably maybe 10% of Americans have, right? Uh, Maybe we used to have. Maybe when uh, we worked in the fields um, before automobiles, um in some idealistic you know hunter gatherer state right i think and, and that's not um the reality of american physiology and i think for you know i mean i have two concerns for uh, the, the 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 realities of american physiology right um, and one is this endless rush or flood of uh, glucose that were pouring into our bodies. And those are the fast carbs. And no one asked, right? I mean, what, you know, back in the 30s and 40s when we industrialized our food, a lot of advantages, could ship it across the country. Uh, it's cheaper, it's food-stable. Um, there were some advantages, I mean, to industrial food. Right? But no one asked what was the effect of processing. And that, you, you know, so I, I went into the world of food processing. I, I, you know, I, I try to uh, dig deep uh, and learn, uh, you know, really what was the effect on that uh, on that food? And what was that doing to our bodies? And no one, you know, no one really ever asked when we started applying these extrusion cooking methodologies uh, back in the, the 40s, 50s, 60s. Um, so, that we could take that wheat kernel or, or that corn kernel or that grain kernel, right, and to produce thousands of different shapes and uh, textures and, and mouthfeels and products from that. No one asked what the effect uh, of processing was or what that effective structure was. And, and the bottom line is it, it resulted. Um, it results in very rapidly absorbed glucose being uh, entering into the upper GI uh, system, to to the effect that we don't fully understand all the consequences. Uh, but we we took the structure out of food. We we we, we just pummel uh, it in the process. Uh, we expose it to uh, enormous heat. We ch- we enlarge that surface area uh, so that it gets uh, our enzymes in our digestive tract um can can destroy it in an instant. And no one said what's what's the effect? Now, for some people, you know, again, if you are in an energy, a negative energy state, I mean if you know if you don't if you are, expending more than you're taking in I mean if I'm a marathon runner um, if I'm working in the fields, um, certainly back until the 1970s or 80s where Americans you know we're not in this constant state of energy uh, positive energy balance right that we're we are in I mean our food has become so available and we eat all the time at least many of us uh, do I don't think the consequences, this endless stream of glucose, was as
0: damaging. So bringing it back to the, the fast carbs versus slow carbs, at its core, it's avoid the uh, bagged French fries cooked in vegetable oils and swap it for the sweet potato that you're going to cut yourself and maybe put in the oven or fry in coconut oil.
1: If, if, just try to make sure it's not pre-digested. <laughs> right? No, right.
0: make sure that someone else
1: hasn't digested it make sure it doesn't go down in a whoosh. make sure you chew it right make sure it lasts in the gi tract um so it can get down to your lower gi tract that can stimulate certain you know the different hormones we thought the gi tract uh you know again was just this tube i mean in some ways it's a very complex sensory organ as well as endocrine organ And if you, if food gets rapidly absorbed and can uh, hit um, the receptors, the sensors um, in the early part of the GI tract, it gets rapidly absorbed. They set off certain insulin um, uh, cascades, get that food down to your lower GI tract because it's not able to digest, uh, I mean, as quickly. You have satiety hormones, you have gut microbiome, which we're only beginning to understand. Right. Not everything gets absorbed from your lower GI tract. You know, the the, the the when you study, when you look at all these studies on diet and weight. Right. Everybody put any, anyone on a diet and they'll lose weight. Right. And then everybody gain, at six months, they start gaining it back. And the question is why? And, and just look at what happens at six months. You know, they start introducing back those fast carbs. And and, and once you do that, you know, the weight just keeps on coming uh, back. So there's something there, at least in those who struggle with their weight, that make them sensitive to these fast carbs. Now, I don't think it's the whole story, right? And I think there's a lot of mechanisms, right? I can get, you know, I can bring two scientists here. I can bring Kevin Hall and David Ludwig here um, and they can spend, you know, an hour going at it and cause they all believe, you know, I mean, is it the fact that the food is so pre-digested, it gets so, it's goes down. We just our eating rate increases, <laughs> right, right? It does just go down in a whoosh. Um, does it stimulate certain hormones? Does it not stimulate certain other hormones, right? So we can argue, does it have an effect on insulin? Does that affect uh, uh, thermogenesis the scientists I mean, they will spend the rest of their lives arguing among themselves to sort out those mechanisms but I think at the end of the, the, the day um, you know you look at that industrial food and add it back to any diet and people are going to gain back back the
0: weight so you mentioned weight loss uh, many people have success going low carb and I'm curious talk more about your view on meat and and dairy All right so so i would love to be able
1: to say here okay nothing would be give me greater pleasure um that, that say hey um go uh low carb is fine right i i would i mean um be, because i think it is it's it is very effective for weight loss, okay? I mean, there's there's no doubt. Now, we can argue again what the mechanism is, um, but um, for at least for some certain individuals, um, it is an effective way of losing weight. And there are other ways of losing weight, but it is effective. So I'd love to say, hey, go low carb, right? But it, the, the problem is um, when you look at the trials that have been done on people who, go low carb, you see that their amount of LDL particles on average probably increases their ApoB, the the number of um, of, um, ApoB particles, which is just a certain type of LDL, those increase about 10%, their LDL. My goal is to get LDL down. So it's working in the wrong direction. Now, is it the greatest poison? You know, uh, if, if you go, I mean, I, I want people to get their weight down, right? I think that is helpful to m- the metabolic consequences. It's not, it's not a question of vanity. Getting weight down really does help in normalizing. <laughs> you put someone on a low-carb diet, it'll normalize, for many people, their diabetes. I mean, it's remarkable. It's one of the most effective therapies. But I'm very concerned that you have to keep an eye on that LDL. Now, everybody's going to vary. There will be some people you put on a low-carb diet and their LDL spikes 30%. There are going to be some that it increases just a bit and some that there's going to be no effect. So if you go on an LDL uh, on a a low-carb diet, just make sure you monitor that LDL and also it's, I'm not happy just maintaining LDL where you are. I, I want to get LDL down, because I think there's two things in the American diet uh, from a physiological perspective that are key. It's fast carbs, and I think it's also LDL. Right? You want to do both. And and the, the question is, how do you accomplish both, right? Um, and, and regrettably, a low-carb diet for most people, will accomplish the first. It won't accomplish the second.
0: So if I if I'm having my refried beans, which have no vegetable oils, seed oils in them, having my refried beans, and I, I want a little more, it, it you know, it okay to, in your opinion, chicken in there or some grass fed steak or some cheddar cheese, I am curious, you know, I, I think we agree that like the, the power of the, the slow carb, and I, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of, of, uh, of refried beans right now with no vegetable oils. They do wonders okay. for me. I, and I have no problems
1: with, with adding some of that chicken, um, some of that beef, okay? I mean, it, there may be, eth- you may have certain ethical questions. Sure, sure. but just You, for, you, you may have it, certain preferences, and I'm fully respectful. Okay, Um, but just as you add that meat, I mean, I would ask everybody to just monitor your LDL and try to get your LDL down. Now, here's the here's the rub, right? Um, How do you get your LDL down? I mean, the the fact is, if you go to a a fully a plant based diet and a healthy plant based diet, right? Because there are unhealthy plant based diets. I mean that's probably the most dramatic way to get LDL down. I mean you see again lipidologists see people getting 30, 40% drops in LDL on a plant-based diet. But the reality is I mean I couldn't achieve a full uh, you know 100% plant-based diet. I mean I aspire to it. But I can't get there just from taste preferences um, you know and how I grew up uh, uh, and culturally and um so, you know, th- there are there are two ways to get LDL down. There's diet, and most of that is plant-based, right? I mean, or there are drugs, right? And the last thing I want to be is pushing drugs. That's not what, why I'm here, but I think you have to put it out, right? I mean, as a um, another tool, uh, if you really want to talk about wiping out heart disease.
0: So what should our plate look like you know if you were to rewrite the dietary guidelines right now and maybe that will be the case in a couple of years if you were able to to do that what what should our and again understood we're all unique individuals one person can do a little bit more or less over here and, and you know lipid profile may, may change but if you were to generalize and have the ability to, to create that for america what would what would that Plate look like. Well, first it has to look like food. <laughs> <laughs> what a great start! I love it. <laughs> I mean, and
1: if, it, if, I mean, if if if, uh, if if it doesn't look like food, we're, we're starting off. We have a problem.
0: So you're, I'm assuming you're not a fan of the, uh, the 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 faux meats out there.
1: Look, I I think that um, there's some arguments for them, right? I mean, they're there are environmental. Sure. Aspects. There's carbon uh, aspects to them. I think that you have to recognize there is a good deal of saturated fat, and they are highly processed. Again, I think they were good intentioned, but I don't think uh, in the end they really qualify um, uh, for 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 food. Um, uh, you know uh, again i I, I want to give some room because I cause I applaud the effort and I think we have to be more environmentally conscious um, look m- my my first concern is if we can just take out of the in the American diet the industrial food right then then we can quibble right yeah. then we can talk but, I can I can get to metabolic health in this country if I can remove the industrial food in so, the processed
0: process. So is it as simple as Michael Pollan eat food not too much mostly plants? He
1: he's a he's a good colleague and a good friend, and I handed him the manuscript and I said, um, uh, here's the biological basis of why you're right. <laughs>
0: Well, I, I love it. It's a it's a philosophy I think we can all subscribe to, and and you know, we mentioned diets and the failure of diets and what I believe is we fail because they're diets and it's not truly a lifestyle we can adhere to on a daily basis.
1: But look, the the, the reality is you're only going to lose weight right if you restrict calories right um, and. Um, I mean, that's still the, the essence. I mean, and to get the weight off, um, for those who like myself, I mean, who've, you know, accumulated it multiple times over, certainly over my lifetime, you, you, you have to restrict calories. And the question is, what's the way you can do that, um, and do that, uh, in perpetuity and keep it off. Um, and the problem is, Um, These fast carbs, um, this, um, I mean, taking a starch, uh, uh, making it hyperpalatable by adding fat, sugar, and salt uh, to it, whether um, it's the insulin, the hyperinsulinemic states that catch us in this vicious cycle of obesity, hyperinsulinemia, elevated uh, glucose, uh, you know, which comes first? Does the hyperinsulinemia, hyper, does an increased blood glucose come? Does a hyperinsulinemia come? Does the excess weight, does the obesity, what, you know, you get caught in these vicious cycles. Um, I think um, the reality is if you take out processed carbs from the American diet, you'd have a dramatic effect um, on, uh, on weight. Again, I think there are multiple different mechanisms for that. We don't know the full science. And again, um, if you just take them out and then you reintroduce them later on, I mean, if that's your definition of just denying yourself something and then that you want, and that's a diet, I agree with you. Um, but we do have to help people, um, you know, become metabolically healthy. And the easiest way to do that is to control their weight.
0: And so, with regards to, you mentioned wheat. And I was pleasantly surprised in the book that rye bread was in there. right? Which rye bread, because you know, everyone's at home making sourdough. I'm also a fan of sourdough. We could talk about right. that. But rye bread, which I, I love. I do my rye toast and my wild salmon with my, my favorite cashew cream cheese. It's like a, with my anchovies. It's, it's a weekly ritual here in New York for, for me and, my, and the family. So rye bread. Slow carb, and look.
1: The, the most important thing is, especially, you know, during these times, I am not going near anyone's rituals, right? <laughs> just, just keep, just, just keep them up, right? Um, the, 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 if I, anything to support the mental health aspect, right? Um, no one wants to make this any tougher, um, but again, I, there are nuances here on uh, slowly, what's a slowly digestible starch? What's your resistant starch? Certainly rye falls in that category, right? Um, look, uh, excess amount. I mean, if all you're eating <laughs> I mean, are, are, uh, you know, are, are the, you know, uh, is rye bread for three meals a day, we can talk. Um, but you know, I, I think it's great. I mean, and that's why, I mean, just understand you walk up and down the aisles, uh, and and you can identify pretty uh, quickly. A look at the ingredient panel um, of foods, and you can tell what's processed and what's not. And if it's processed, it's going to be a fast carb.
0: Well, I, I'm I'm glad that you, you you mentioned rye and we talking about bread and processing because I think and I think I speak for the audience that you know sometimes you just want a sandwich or sometimes you want some toast or sometimes. And so you want to make the better choice. And if I, you know, obviously everyone knows some sort of wonder bread, but you know, you hear about, you got all the alternative flowers and you, but sometimes, you know, they're, they're not as good as you like them to be. So it's nice to hear. Okay. If I, if I'm at my local grocer and I got a choice between rye and I look at the ingredient deck and it's pretty clean or sourdough, like, okay, rye, the better choice, I can feel great about it. Absolutely. And, and so with regards. To sugar, I'm also cl- curious because a lot of people, look. lots of opinions on sugar and types of sugar, you know, whether it's, uh, you've got the, uh, all the oses, if you will, I call the oses, uh, and the talls, uh, and then you have coconut sugar, and you have organic sugar, and you got lots of different. Is is all sugar sugar, which I th- I think it probably is, or or not? And and, and are there c- certain choices that are that are better than others? If you're gonna like, if you're gonna have a a piece of cake and and love it.
1: Sure, I mean let's you know call a spade a spade. Um, uh, the, the, the the sugar is. I mean it's it's a potent, it's a potent compound. Um, that gives you a momentary bliss, right? <laughs> right, and that's fine. I mean, I you know, I I i I, I'm, I mean, if I said that sugar is a drug, ever you know, after having regulated um, nicotine as a drug, you know, I have to be careful, so I won't <laughs> I won't go there, right? Um, but just to understand something: dose does matter. Yeah. Right? So just think about, um, and you look at food, and you realize that, you know, 40, 50, 60% of processed food is starch, right? I, I mean, some kind um, of flour, uh, grain-based um, uh, substrate. It, it, it sort of dwarfs, you know, I mean, I mean? You know the the sugar is r- almost minute compared to the amount of starch that we're ingesting, right? So, I mean, so go choose the, you, whatever your drug is, it's fine, right? Um, I'm I'm okay with it. I don't, especially during these times, um, you know. But but I think um, I mean they are of a piece, you know, sugar and starch, and you know we we focused for the last ten years um on uh, on sugar um as we should but just recognize that all of processed food falls in that category
0: and I'll go to the the last uh fun category if you will is fat uh, what what do you like for healthy fats
1: um anything that doesn't reduce um anything that doesn't increase your ldl so avocado yeah, I mean, I, I think that, the, um, you know, again, we, we can talk about the various forms of poly uh, yeah, and mono, uh, uh, the, the unsaturated fats. I mean, the reality is that the saturated, it's the saturated fats that put you at risk. And again, maybe not everybody, uh, but I mean, if your diet contains significant saturated fat, please monitor your LDL.
0: So avocados, olive oil, sure. all good, all good. And my, my last question: Look, we live in an interesting time, to say the least. Things are changing rapidly. Science is changing rapidly. Whether it's COVID or, who knows where this health conversation is going? If you could, you know, wave your your crystal crystal wand, if you will? What do you think we're gonna be talking about a year from now? What's interesting to you? What's science saying? Where, where, where's the conversation gonna be headed?
1: You know, I am concerned about October and November. If you look at it, and it's speculation of COVID. If you look at other influenza type, and this is not influenza, but if you look at other kinds of viruses, you see a pattern you talk to great infectious disease epidemiologists and in the back of their heads, they're worried that this will take on a, a seasonal pattern, which means another spike October, November, January, February. Right. And that's wor- that's of concern. My hope is enough of us continue to socially distance, wear masks, this not become, uh, masks don't become a great political divide. Um, we We are able to Uh, have flattened this curve, and then we can get both the therapeutics, and I think we're getting closer to take the lethality out of the virus, right? I mean, either through a vaccine or through drugs. I don't think a a vaccine may not wipe out this virus, but it may take the lethality out. It, It may make the risk of death or very severe disease. You may get milder disease, and that may be achieved. Now, we may be able to achieve that with drugs, too. So I think we're going to be able to get this under control, but it's up to us. I mean, it's gonna be our behavior and I mean, our scientific uh, prowess. And then when we do emerge, we'd like to emerge healthier, and that's why it's. I think it's fair to talk about diet um, right. and how that intersects.
0: Well, absolutely fair game, because a lot of the concepts you talk about in the book, we, we talk about metabolic health, and. You, you mentioned that the data and obesity and diabetes and all these things affect metabolic health in a detrimental way and, and lead to really scary outcomes with COVID. And, you know, we can, we, we can definitely, for some people it, it could, you know, look at a scale of zero to a hundred. Some people could, you know, be 90 or 80 or a hundred and, you they're going to be fine no matter what. But for people who can maybe get from a forty to a sixty, that could mean the difference between life and death.
1: And, and the unfairness of this needs to be emphasized.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because I mean, who's at risk for COVID? Yeah. I mean, it's it's the essential workers. It's the healthcare workers. Well,
0: and and, and right? essentially the food that's most affordable, process process carbs, so it's, and so it, it, so so it's, so a, it's a, a double conversation. Money, right? I yeah. Mean,
1: you, you, You're exposed to the virus, you're exposed to the industrial food um, uh, because that's what you can afford. um, And um, we gotta care more about the health of everybody.
0: Amen to that. We'll close
1: there. Thanks so much for having me.